0: Hey, awesome people, a huge welcome back to the third episode of the second season of Lantern. If you didn't know, we're a podcast about young people trying to change the world and trying to understand what that actually means. This fortnight, we're sitting down with two amazing Syrian-Australian twins in Sarah and Maya Gasali. They're just 16 years old and launched their own podcast called Refugees on Air, which showcases the stories and gives voice to refugees across Australia. There's so much to learn and be inspired by in here, so hope you enjoy.
1: Hello, my name is Sarah Gasali. And I'm Maya Gasali. We're 16-year-old twins from Aleppo, Syria. And we hold our own podcast. It's called Refugees on Air. As you can tell, we're really passionate about refugee rights. Our podcast aims to shine light on inspiring refugee stories that I feel like we don't often get to hear. We're both really passionate about sparking change in the world by storytelling. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do.
0: So how did the idea for the podcast come about?
1: Uh, well, it was all me. Actually, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I did my work experience actually exactly a year ago from today oh, wow. at, at Sin Media. So I was like sitting right there probably chatting away to some people. And then the idea came about the previous year when we came here, when I like, first knew about Sin through a school tour that we did. And when I left uh, that, uh, you know, the Sin House that day, I was like, you know what would be so cool if, like, someone, like, did an interview with refugees and made it, like, a podcast and, you know, and someone so young like that. And then uh, when I did my work experience, I proposed the idea and the staff loved it. So I was like, you know what, I can... I can like actually do it mm-hmm. so uh, I brought it onto Maya aunt. she was like bro no way like it's gonna be so hard. <laughs> I just thought like we didn't have time to travel to the city and I really wanted to do like a movie review show I was like why can't we just do that you know but I think deep down I I, I was a bit scared of what um, other people would think because it was such like a broad issue not many people know that much about it like especially my friends. Yeah and we thought well for me I thought I was like too young and maybe this wouldn't like get to where I wanted it to be and like obviously I never thought it would get this big at the start but yeah like all came along really well with the help of like hundreds of other people as well you know we honestly we couldn't have done it ourselves so there's always them to thank.
0: I'm interested why you picked refugees in particular was there a certain experience that prompted that?
1: I think because Sarah and I came to Australia when we were just 10 years old on a skilled migration visa. So that doesn't really classify us as refugees, but we've had a lot of family friends and just um, high school friends who came here as refugees. We noticed how inspiring they are, how successful they've become, how they pushed through everything that was put in their way. And and we were really inspired by it. And we, we kind of related to their stories a little bit. Because, you know, when we left, it was really hard for us to adapt to, you know, a new country and surrounding. Even, like, the culture, the food was different. So it was a bit tough, but, like, seeing other people having it even tougher and getting through it really inspired us. And we really felt like we needed to share their stories. Yeah, so. it was kind of like our duty because we're, like, we're young and we have a voice and we use sin to, to radiate our voice, you know. But, yeah, and we thought, like, why not use this platform to give back to other people who usually haven't had that opportunity, the, yeah. the opportunities that we've had. Yeah. So yeah, it was mostly about just giving giving forward and to people, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. moving yes. it forward. Yeah, I feel like in Syria, we probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do something like this. Mm-hmm. So when we came to this country, which offered us so, so much, we wanted to make the most out of everything. We yeah, jumped at everything and yeah. like no regrets ever. Yeah. It was, it was really, it's, you know, I was, I was just saying to myself the other day, like, doing work experience at sin was probably the best decision i made like throughout probably my high school years right. yeah. because um yeah it like shaped me into who i am it, I, it helped me like grow maturely as like as well because i had to like organize so many things and learn how to edit and <laughs> learn how to interview and and just basically hearing yeah. the stories and getting to share them it, it changes you you know yeah. it's it's a wonderful yeah. experience it also helped us to get a, a wider perspective on what people go through mm-hmm. it makes you Like, not worry about the small things because you realise there's, like, bigger things to worry about. Yeah, It's definitely impacted us, but always in a positive way.
0: Going into this work experience gig, how did you kind of build up the the confidence to say that you wanted to to start your own podcast? Because I remember when I was in high school, like, it was quite confronting just to do any kind of public speaking, let alone speaking to, like... Hundreds, thousands of people on on a, on a podcast.
1: It was on my mind from the, you know the, the start of the week, but then I just kept like saying like Nah, nah, it probably won't happen. Like, I, I was too afraid to share my own story, let alone share other people's stories. So uh, I just kept like pushing it and pushing it, and I was like, and then the more opportunities I got, like got to see and how easy it was, and how helpful the staff was, I was inspired to you know go up to someone and have the courage to you know tell them like Hey, I, I'm from Syria, and I would like to make this podcast. And then I found a lovely staff member Fiona. She was the, the person I told the podcast about like the first person I told her um, about it, and um, the reaction from her was you know so so good. Like she immediately just got a piece of paper out and we wrote down the goals that we had to right. you know achieve by the end of this year. It was definitely a struggle, but then knowing that there was so many people who were willing to help, and you know I wasn't going to get judged for an, an idea like that. I, it was just such an open-minded place that I felt. You know, com- you know comfortable that I can do that.
0: I'm interested as to picking audio as a medium to tell these stories because you mentioned Maya that you're interested in film that can be equally as impactful. Yeah.
1: I think because Sarah and I were like all right well, you know we'll start volunteering at a radio station we both really like media. I really wanted to engage filmmaking in the process but I think it was a bit too difficult because we didn't really have The resources and yeah, it was just like harder to do. So because we started volunteering at Sin and we realised that we've got access to the studios, I think that was a much easier option to go with. Yeah. I mean, podcasting isn't an easy thing as well, but kind of an easy choice, especially for me, because I don't like like listening to morning radio like in the morning. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I find it cringy sometimes. But but like the. Obviously, Sin Radio is the best radio, that's why. Get Serial is always on. But, yeah, I thought, like, why why don't I go on and, you know, play my own music or talk about the stories that I want to hear or do things on the radio that I'd like to know about. But then, um, but yeah, so, like... I think radio, radio was, like, a really big part of our lives. We'd, like, everyone would listen to it every day in the morning. Yeah. yeah, so that kind of... Like, when that opportunity came up, we're like, all right, we'll choose this, like, this to access. We could have, mm-hmm. like, literally made a TV show on, like but uh, well, that's not gonna happen like, <laughs> and like that's that would be so cool but then like we're still high studio, school yeah, students yeah. so like yeah. it's it's tough to get everything together even yeah. like doing a radio just like imagine doing a, a, a short film about it you know so that's why we went to the radio area most people can't see you so it's yeah easier. so you don't, <laughs> ha- you don't have to like look good yeah, <laughs> through yeah. That.
0: i'm just interested in terms of reaching young people i guess this is a bit of an aside but do you think they're they're listening to podcasts Do you think that's the right way to reach young people? Look,
1: when I, when Sarah was like, all right, we'll make a podcast, I literally, I remember myself saying, what's a podcast? I didn't even know what it was because I've never listened to one before. Oh, yeah, I'm like, Barely listen to podcasts. Yeah. I think so, um, yeah. young people are more engaged in filmmaking stuff right. like TV shows and movies and short films when they actually get to see the person. I, I really prefer prefer to. To, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I would prefer, yeah, I would prefer, you know, looking at the person, you know, hearing them and looking at them while they speak. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And our podcast, like, we're really lucky we got to make it. And, have the resources to be able to share it with people. So yeah, like it's it's still a really good um, medium to use.
0: Within those interviews, how do you kind of balance handling, say, the emotion that guests could come up with? Because obviously the refugee experience often is quite traumatic. And how do you kind of balance that, especially being so young? Mm.
1: Yeah, it was hard at the start. We kind of like didn't know like w- what to say, what, what was the right thing to say in moments like this. Cause they, you feel like there's nothing that you can say, you know, yeah. but we've kind of with, with our like similar experience, I, I guess, I we were able to understand that emotion yeah. and relate to it. So yeah. that makes the guest more comfortable in talking about yeah. it. And we always tell them like, if you need a break, you can just go take a break outside. Like we don't want to pressure them to say anything. Yeah, yeah but definitely it is like a really hard hitting story for some of our interviewees. Yeah, but that's um, why it's so important to share as yeah.
0: well yeah how do you guys balance all of this especially in high school no, no. So. <laughs> I, have
1: no, idea. no I think we obviously prioritize our studies first because yeah. that's the most important thing right now but every time we've got like a day off school like a weekend where we're not you know as busy with work or any like school studies we'd usually pop down to the city and try yeah. to maybe sneak in a few interviews here and there <laughs> It's been hard, like, especially at the start and during exam time, we kind of, like, take a full break and especially because it's just me and Maya on the show. We don't have, like, editors or people who, like, kind of help us find it. Like, of course, we have a lot of organisations and support, but for the actual show, it's just me and Maya and we, like, have to make the questions, edit and, you know, yeah. do everything. Publish it and make sure, like, the page is running smoothly yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's a tough job, but I feel like it's, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, as you said, kind of our duty um, mm-hmm. as young people. Kind of like a hobby as well. Like yeah. people who play sports on the weekends, we do we go, interviews. Yeah. So we do radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's falling into place, but obviously there are some times where you just have to take a break and look at the whole situation, realise, like, okay, I have to do this and I have to do this. But I still remember to take time off for yourself because that's so important in BC as yeah. well.
0: Can we dive into that maybe a bit deeper? How, yeah, how do you guys kind of look after yourselves and make sure you don't burn out? I've
1: been reading a lot lately about like different different things and like I guess like yeah. self care stuff. Sarah so yeah, yeah. loves to read about things like that. She finds it really helpful, especially when you're dealing with like so many people, so many stories. You mm-hmm. you do get you know a bit like emotion yeah. emotional yeah, yeah. sometimes the you know reading and or like we're both really musical that using music and playing the guitar and and uh, writing rap songs that will never, ever be published. <laughs> yeah, writing rap songs about people. this Distracts. Yeah. No, no. Um, but, but, yeah. Um. I think I think for me, I always remember to focus what, on what I can control yeah. and what I put my attention to because I think it's really important nowadays because there's so much that I'm doing, so many like expectations and responsibilities mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah so it's important just to realise what you've got and make time for the most important important things and remember to like not waste time and don't spend too much time on like social media because I think it, it can be it's kind of just a waste of time at times even though like we use a lot of it to be able to conduct the interviews but when we're not doing that I try to stay away from it maybe use the time to do more productive things. I guess for me Doing, like, learning how to balance the show and part-time work and school and social life, (laughs) it's kind of helped me grow as a person as well. Like, I was just talking with one of my friends the other day about how, like, much, like, I've matured and how open-minded that, like, I've become, even, like, as, you know, 16 years old, but doing all these different things, it's really setting us up for a good future, long future, hard-working, but it will be worth it 100%.
0: Yeah. Wow. So inspiring. How does that work in a um, high school situation? Because I think think back to when I was in high school, I often did things that were either within school or like run by school. So it's like easy to be facilitated yeah. because you kind of have these fixed timetables yeah, yeah. um, compared to uni where it's a bit more flexible, you have yeah. a bit more independence. Yeah. How do you work around that high school schedule?
1: Well, well I think because we obviously go to high school five days a week. <laughs> um, we're also like really invested into like what the school activities are. Right, right. So yesterday I was just at um, Variety Night, which is kind of like a talent show. Yeah, yeah. And I got to host it, which was a really cool oh, opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so we're really invested in that because our school is pretty supportive in yeah, what we cool. do outside of school. And they always make sure to recognize our efforts. And it's really appreciated by both of us. Yeah. So it, like we kind of pay our school back, mm. but while we do it, it also I think it also gives us like confidence skills mm. and interviewing skills because we do so much in school and like a fair bit out of school. Mm. So it kind of combines just you know on a certain level like yeah. you get those confidence skills from school and public speaking and then you use them in your interviews. Yeah. Mm. So I guess that's how you kind of merge in a high school life with something mm. like this. Yeah, as Maya said, our high school was really supportive of the work that we do, especially a lot of our teachers. They kind of like I don't know, like to say it, but they kind of use us as, as like an example to the other students which right. is really nice but you know me saying it sounds a bit cocky but <laughs> it's but yeah sometimes it's it's like that when um, we did a, our SBS feature, we actually had to film at school and everyone was yeah. really supportive. And then yeah, the next so we day... Had, like, friends around yeah. us. It was so much fun. The, and then when it aired on TV, like, the whole staff was watching, like, people who were, like, on, on leave. Like, I saw a teacher that used to teach me last year, but she's on leave now. And then first thing I saw, she was like, you're famous. And I was like, oh, my God, no. But, uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, like... And then when it aired, everyone... Um, showed the video to their, one of their classes at least and one yeah. of my friends like literally saw it in every single one of her classes like the yeah, SBS feature yeah. so it was really <laughs> yeah it was really like amazing to see the support that we got and as well like as Maya said the skills that you learn at high school and time management and organization it all like combines it all yeah it all ties in with what we do so we're really lucky to
0: have that. Yeah going off that yeah, when, when you guys launched, it kind of just exploded in a sense. Um, I was wondering how you guys kind of handled all of the attention and kind of stayed grounded. Um, because, yeah, being on national TV is kind of a, it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, I think at the start, I needed people to remind me to, like, bring me down to earth because so many things were happening and I feel like that was the only piece of conversation that I would have with my friends. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I need to like <laughs> calm down. <laughs> yeah, so right now I'm definitely more down to earth than I was maybe like two, three months ago, yeah. because there was a lot happening two, three months ago. But like, I'm always thankful for the people to tell me, all right, now like back to earth, you've got your studies to do and stuff like that. Cause you know, those are more important. This may be just like a temporary thing. <laughs> the fame, the not fame, that, right? the <laughs> fame might be like just a temporary thing. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of how I deal with it. I always, but nowadays I kind of always remind myself like there's there's more to, to what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not about us, like the shows, yeah like we have similar experiences but we've been so blessed to be able to share our experience but The show is about sharing other people's ones, the ones that haven't been able to go on national TV or been able to, you know, um, be young and move to a country at a young age and learn English really well or do, you know, certain things. So it's about sharing their stories primarily and we always have to kind of balance that out, like not to do too many interviews just about us, but also make sure that balances with the ratio of how many interviews that we produce as well.
0: Going back to the issue of uh, refugees, I'm thinking often... You can become a bit desensitised to, I guess, the refugee experience. Even on social media or or the news, you can see a lot of kind of horrific images or stories of what's occurred to refugees and you kind of just become desensitised to it. How how do you guys think we can tackle that? Are you trying to tackle that with the podcast or, yeah...
1: I think it all kind of leads back to the danger of a single story because the media so often marginalises people and shows them in, like, one image on the news. People do become desensitised because of this. So, you know, our podcast really aims to shine light on individual stories because I feel like they're more important than what the media shows nowadays. And, you know, there's always going to be an emotional side to it, like a human side to it, but I do, again, feel like that is kind of being neglected because of probably, you know, the high amount of numbers and people like I don't know. It's such like a, it's a third agenda issue, you know, like not one country can fix it. But I feel like youth like us and so many people, you know, so many organizations like ASRC and AIMS and events happening to educate people about what refugees go through. I think they all add to the importance and to make people realize that there is so much danger to one single story that the media too often portrays.
0: So in terms of how we can move from, say, awareness into, into action. How do you think... I think young people in particular can do that around the refugee space. Yeah.
1: I agree with you. I think young people are are really, yeah, they truly are change makers right now in this generation. But so many of them don't have the right amount of confidence. They think they don't have the amount of resources. And that's fine because that that was literally me like last year before everything, all of this started. I was like, nah, it's too much of a big idea. I don't want to tackle it right now. There's more important things to worry about. But like, I feel like once you step out of your comfort zone, just like for five minutes, (laughs) it kind of starts to build up. So the next time you do it, you step out for like 10 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that started with me as an individual when I went to like United Nation camps Mm -hmm. and I got to represent Syria Mm -hmm. in like a model UN. So I remember... I got to speak up and I was like, okay, I have no idea like what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) And I got to speak to one of my friends who like now is a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah, So I guess it starts off with those small steps that you take Mm. and then they gradually become bigger and bigger. Like last year I was just speaking, you know, as like, like Representing Syria at a Model UN, this year I was speaking at Parliament, you know, it all kind of gradually builds up and that increases your confidence and makes you realise that you are a change maker and you do have a voice and a platform to be able to share the stories of those who are like silenced. Add on to what Maya said. The more awareness you do, the more action will be undertaken. Right. For me and Maya, we haven't really had the opportunity to do full hands-on work with refugees, and we would absolutely love to. But just the fact that we're still in school and we're—I guess—we're kind of limited with our time because of that. But then, when you uh, share someone's story, it can change their perspective and can influence someone who's able to do action, who's you know not kind of limited for time as as we are if like even if that's youth or older people like it doesn't matter yeah yeah. I think you know one of the things that our podcast wants to do is make people you know aware of these things and for them to undertake action it's such a hard thing to be able to to undertake action because you could be judged by so many people around you Mm -hmm. because the issue you know like I feel like there's there's so many like so much false information going around. People don't understand the core of the problem. And like, neither do I, you know, there's, there's a lot of things happening, but it's still really, really important to be able to take action and to educate people about what's happening, the real news and the facts.
0: With high school students in particular, did you have any advice for someone in that position who might be seeing some things around and wants to take some action on it? So it might be any issue. What, are, what advice do you guys have?
1: I think you should definitely start by educating people on right. what you see and tell them, like, do you know this is happening? You know, like, yeah, there's like, there's so many ways to help in this situation. And I think, you know, young people, high school students, especially have that advantage of being able to, Do things at a younger age, even though they might be limited by time, but they see their friends five days a week. I'm sure they can like get something started, you know. And the other thing I was going to say is that you can tell your friends, educate them about this, and then maybe like start thinking about ways that you can support and make change to be able to raise awareness of this issue. And I think for young people, one, one amazing thing that everybody not just young people everyone should get involved in is volunteering Mm. because first of all you learn so much and you get to meet people like via whether it's volunteering at you know immigration centres or Mm. like helping the homeless in you know in whatever issue that someone is passionate about volunteering can put you right there you know right at the front Mm. uh, of the issue so you can have hands-on work you can do more awareness and share more stories and kind of don't feel helpless all the time that you can kind of make change in your own so way, yeah, yeah, in your and own it way. it looks good on your resume. So. <laughs> <laughs> Through that, yeah.
0: yeah. With high school, often, especially when you're advocating for a cause, yeah. sometimes you feel like you're kind of a lone soldier, mm. kind of crying out. Yeah. And sometimes it depends on like what kind of setting you are, but often it's like, it's not even like that cool to be like advocating for something, like yeah. who's this like social justice yeah, warrior? You, yeah. um, how do you kind of work around that?
1: I think you've got to find your own community of the people that support you and advocate for the um, same issue that you're advocating for. So once you do that, you'll instantly feel more, more motivated to keep going. I think, you know, at the start, Sarah and I, I think I was afraid to even propose the idea to my friends exactly. be like, right. yeah, we, we're doing something, but like, oh, don't worry, it's not that big, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> like this small thing <laughs> because I was like, I was I was scared to tell people that I'm Syrian when I was in primary school yeah. because yeah. I just felt that, they think that I lack English speaking skills, you know. They think that I, I'm weird or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, they judge me because I, I wore non branded sports shoes, mm-hmm. you know. It got to it got to a point like that and I was like, Oh, I'm Australian, like that's it, you mm-hmm. know. But then I don't know, I, I think as I progressed through high school I started to realize how important it is to mm-hmm. be able to be proud of your own culture and identity. Mm-hmm. So I kind of that kind of pushed me to be able to raise my voice for like you know for the stories that don't have platforms like I do nowadays and for us as well like we gained a lot of confidence like throughout high school and you know seeing my sister graduate and do so well at uni obviously inf- inspired us that you know we can achieve what we want to you yeah. know it doesn't matter what other people I think I can't really relate to this because as you said it might be just like one person advocating but there's two of us Sarah and I and without her I know this is so cheesy without her I wouldn't have done any of this like right. I wouldn't have never volunteered at a radio station right. so you got to find the people who support you and surround yourself by it. yeah
0: we didn't get to touch on this before but I was just interested about your, your journey coming to Australia mm. and I think particularly touching on from, from some things we've read as well, you often talk about being bullied yeah. when, you, when you first came. Mm. I was just wondering how did you guys, I guess, your journey and how did you guys overcome that bullying and what can, like, young people do in those environments to kind of make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we came here in 2012 with just our immediate family from Aleppo, Syria, and it was instantly a very, very different environment for all yeah. of us. Like, we knew things about Australia, but it still didn't match our yeah, expectations. Remember, like, we got into the car with one of our family friends at, like, 3 a.m. We were driving up to um, their house, and I could see the outline of the houses. The first thing I thought about was that they look like the Simpsons' house, because that's, <laughs> like, the only thing that I knew about, like, a Western world. And, and, then, and then we, like, quickly... Had to kind of cope with the different surroundings. Then we got enrolled in a language school, and that was that was okay because you kind of surrounded with people who who kind of have you know similar English skills to you, but very different backgrounds, still trying to find their place in this new community. So that was that was okay, yep. and I was really grateful that we got put into that, not straight into primary school, because my sister had to go straight into high school actually, and yeah, she really yeah. you know struggled as well. So we did that, and then we got put into like a local primary school, and at the start it was like okay. You know, we'll find our place. We had, you know, supportive teachers and my family was always there for me and I'm really great, grateful for that. But you still have to make your own way mm. through them and I, re- I really wanted to make friends. I really wanted to be, like, well-known around the school because that was how it was like back in Syria. But then when you come here and you kind of don't know anyone and you speak a different language and your mind works in different ways, that it was a bit challenging for us. And But, but yeah, by, by the, like, end of primary school, I kind of felt... Like, a, very much like an outsider. And I did encounter a lot of people who just didn't understand and it wasn't really their fault because... They were just kind of yeah, they ignorant, were, you yeah, know, they were ignorant told. about the issue. Mm-hmm. They were young, yeah. like, you You don't expect year fives to, to, you know, like understand the struggles that migrants go through when they come to a new country but um but yeah like we weren't really accepted well especially me because I just wanted to like get people's attention so bad but (laughs) but I guess yeah and then going into high school it was a fresh start and I like thought to myself like no this is not gonna be like a repeat of year six I'm gonna be myself and I'm by that I'm gonna find new friends. So yeah, it, it got heaps better. And then yeah, by by the time we got to like year 10, year 11, I've definitely found my place, found my group, and it was like heaps. Better. Yeah, it was it was a lot better in high school than in year six. I think I can relate to Sarah's experience, but not to that extent. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was definitely a struggle trying to find good friends because we always kept comparing them to the friendships that we had in Syria, which were really like well knit, you know, together, like such a big community. Yeah, so it was a struggle, but we kind of, you know, filtered our way through high school and with our friends and fi- found the ones who really, truly support us. And I think how to, like, uh, answering your question, how to um, avoid that bullying environment or just not accepting people from different cultures, especially now because back in like twenty twelve we were the only Syrian migrants in the whole like of the English language school. So we definitely felt like outsiders, but I'm sure now there is like half There's the population lot, is fully yeah. Syrian, yeah, like yeah. there. I think one important thing that I would tell anyone is to educate yourself, learn about the issue, read articles, watch videos, ask people, listen to our podcast. <laughs> nah, but but yeah, like educate yourself as much as you can because the more the more you know the more accepting that you'll be towards people and I think people need to understand that when someone comes to migrate to a new country people need to be Patient, because mm-hmm. it's not that you you go in, you settle in, and like a week later, you know, you get a job and then you get a house and a car and everything. It's not like that, it's you know. That. Yeah, yeah, it's that. never not that. It's never that simple. So people need to be a bit patient, you know, and they need to realize that like no one wants to, no one wants to leave their home country, leave all their family yeah. behind, their school, their job, they're their like, home. Their, yeah, yeah, they, you know, we if we didn't. Um, if there was no war in Syria, we would still be back there surrounded by family and doing well in school and friendship and everything and you know, living our best lives. But we came here and we we're so blessed to come here, especially to Australia when you know, th- uh, things started to you know, go uh, sideways uh, in Syria. We're obviously very, very grateful for that. And people need to know that as well, that we struggled to get here and we are really happy that we are here. And we are just trying to fit in. Like, we don't, we don't want to take your jobs. Like, we don't, no, that's not. That's and fine. we don't want to, like, make our culture dominate your own, right. you know. Yeah. We, we, we want to, you know, understand other people and learn as much as we can. Yeah, and just, yeah, as Maya said, be patient with us because, you know, no one, not many people have a similar experience. So it's really important to understand and welcome people, even simple things like sitting next to someone at lunchtime. That would have made my day back in primary school.
0: Yep. Yeah, going off what you were talking about, the, the, the migrant experience, yep. I was wondering how, how do you balance that kind of dual identity of, you know, being, yeah. I guess, uh, from my experience, like I, if someone asks me where I'm from, I, I like to call myself Australian, mm-hmm. but then I also have a Sri Lankan background and that's important to me. And yeah, how, how do you guys balance that, the Syrian identity with the Australian identity?
1: For me, like this, probably like this past year, I have come to really embrace both cultures yeah. and understand what, like, yes, I am I call myself Syrian-Australian because I've grown up there even if um, I'm, like, doing all these amazing things here. Yeah, but, really you know, I've met my morals there and everything, yeah. and I'll never take that for granted. The same with me. I do call myself a Syrian-Australian. I think it's it's really important to be able to identify both, you know, the identities you that you've embrace got, them, embrace them yeah. and don't suppress either of them. You don't make one, like, dominate the other. Even though I'm here, I'm still going to have the same morals and beliefs that I learnt back home. Yeah, yeah. Like, keep speaking um, in your, you know, home language and keep yeah, listening worry. to music and r- telling people. I think talking a lot about Syria makes me feel like I'm still there, I guess, like right. none of the memories have faded away, and uh, that I like talking with people and then maybe like say like a friend brought a snack from like um like a Middle Eastern country, and it was the same that we had in Syria, and I like looked at it and I was like, <laughs> turned it to the ingredients and started reading in Arabic, and everyone was like, "Whoa, <laughs> um, so yeah, just like little things like that kind of remind you of home, so always be able to remember that and don't forget it just because of ignorant We're in people. A new
0: how, how do you balance that if those kind of morals and values clash? Mm. Because it's not often a seamless integration. Yeah. There are points, I guess, where you, you do have to decide.
1: When refugees and migrants, when they arrive to a new country, I feel like they kind of, they have a duty to integrate into the new country. Okay. They have to be accepting of the culture and the differences and not try to let their culture dominate others here, mm-hmm. right? So... I think someone you can keep your own morals and learn about the ones that are different to yours. But like you can stick to one. But oh my god, this is really hard. <laughs> no, I actually don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I to say like it's important to know both sides. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they they will clash, and you will get judged for having different morals here. Right, right. But. I feel like I want to say you gotta like stick to the one that you resonate with the most. Yeah, sure. So yeah, stick to the one you resonate with the most. (laughs) That's the best. No, I don't know what to say. This is a tough Um, one. Well, obviously, I think this everyone goes through this. Like when you learn your morals as a child, and then once you become an adult and a young adult you kind of learn different morals because of the different people that you meet or your high school experience or the volunteering that you've done or where you work so I think that's what makes up everyone your morals as an adult I think are a combination of your morals as a child and your morals as a young adult so for us we definitely have the similar morals to when we were back in Syria but then if you come here and they obviously some of them do clash Mm -hmm. um, then you have to learn make that decision and kind of see where that fits in like in what you believe in now because obviously my beliefs back in Syria are not 100% the same as they were as they are now and always like make that decision I think people who do struggle to make that differentiation and realize like no people don't like that here should I change it or am I doing something wrong like no you're not doing something wrong it's just how you've been taught back then might be different which is fine it's the same in every other nationality but it's just about realizing where you stand and whether you are being respectful to other people because mm-hmm. that's really important as well and yeah and then you you everything will fall into place i think yeah for us it sometimes it's like that sometimes it's not but then you meet so many new people and then you kind of you unconsciously grow and you pick up you know new information and new knowledge that It just makes you who you are at the end of the day. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess after listening to all of this, and I'm sure everyone's got this on their minds as well, is you're both 16, so what's next for you two?
1: (laughs) Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, No, we're going to be finishing our, you know, our high school, last high high school year next year. So we obviously have to prioritise that because that's what makes up your ATAR. but, (laughs) But I guess for me I really want to continue on yeah we definitely want to continue and keep it up keep advocating for what we believe in um and stand up for you know our rights and beliefs and for others who don't usually don't have the same uh, privileges that we do in this country but think it might die down a little bit next year but we're still gonna make sure that we make time for the things that are important to us, and yeah. you know, as important to our studies. Yeah, and then uh, at university, I'm gonna go all out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna volunteer at ASRC and AIMS, and UN stuff, and youth parliaments. Because yeah, as you said, like uni is way more flexible. Yeah. So yeah. like. Yeah. By high school, <laughs> so <laughs> I think yeah, I think we'll be really lucky to have that flexibility um, in uni, yep. and and yeah, next year I will. I'm sure we'll be able to find time to do what we love and make sure that you know keeps going, keeps flowing. Yeah.
0: Last question we we like to ask is: Is there anything you'd like to add, particularly given that a lot of people that are listening are young people, they're interested mm-hmm. in social impact, making mm-hmm. a difference. And also another question is, are there any books or films that have inspired you and you would like to share?
1: I think uh, a film that really hit home and like inspired me was uh, Human, Human Flow by Ai Weiwei. Yeah, I watched it at Cinema Nova with a friend and I like bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Um, because I think when when I was younger in like year six, seven and eight, um, I always avoided looking at the impact of war on Syrians and on people who undergo like the terrors of war and persecution in their own country and are forced to flee. I always avoided those images and videos because I was so emotional like I couldn't deal with it. I didn't want to put myself in this situation but I think me going to watch Human Flow was really kind of like a a small turning point in my life because it showed me like I kind of underestimated the, the issue because I didn't think it would be like that big. Yeah, I'm sharing stories, but it's like really small. But like when you see those videos that Ai Weiwei captures so beautifully, you you kind of realize that wow, I'm actually doing something that actually like helps even in the smallest way. And um, I watched it yesterday in my politics class and I was like to my teacher, uh, I was like, I'm not going to cry. Like, that's (laughs) that's it, I'm going to hold it in. And I did, I didn't cry. (laughs) Yeah, um, I think, and also straight after the movie, I was like, I have to keep going with this. I have to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, like, I have to do it, that's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, so it definitely increased my motivation and it's really like an eye-opening movie. So Mm -hmm. I recommend everyone to go watch it. And uh, for me, like, I don't have many books or movies that I like I can remember right now but uh, just like a piece of advice to youth listening that your voice matters and I know that even though you you think you're young and you think that you're incapable of of making change that that's actually the opposite. Like when people hear about that, you know, 16, 15, 17 year old people are making change and doing amazing things, they're going to be inclined to want to know more and help out and, and tell other people like, oh my God, did you hear about, you know, this and that. So use your age as an advantage and it's never too late to start something, you know, as awesome as, you know, a short film or a podcast or, or anything that you like on on a, a topic like that you're passionate about. And don't let, older people tell you that your voice doesn't matter because yeah. they're dumb. No. Because uh, because yeah, they don't understand it and once you and I, pro- prove them wrong. Yeah, prove yeah. them wrong. Yeah.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much um, for coming on. We really appreciate no it. So you guys yeah.